Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'm Ethan Richards. I'm Beckett Rice. And I'm CJ Bakel. And today we've got a special episode specifically devoted to your USA Eagles squad for the upcoming England and Ireland Summer Series. So, yeah, so we got those July 2021 tests coming up. It's going to be a good be. time. I'm super happy to see the U.S. playing like top tier one nations. But a weekend top tier one nations. Let's let's put a <laughs> yeah. asterisk beside yeah. it already. True. True. I've <laughs> already I mean, the, seen the uh, England team. They have, I think, of their 30 players, they picked 20 of them are uncapped. So right. So it's a, it's definitely younger squads, newer squads, and weekend squads. We can thank the British and Irish Lions tour for that. Well, we're, we're we're all crossing fingers for a W <laughs> at in Twickenham on the Fourth yeah. of July too. Yeah, oh. but I <laughs> um I will say that I. I still think it is going to be a competitive game. I, oh, I don't think that the the I, I don't think that the weakened state of these two other uh, countries are going to uh, bring this to like a definitive USA yeah. victory. I think it's going to be pretty even, regardless. I agree. I would say it's not going to, I don't think it'll necessarily change the final outcome, but I think it'll affect the score line. Yeah, for sure. In- instead of losing by 40, we lose by 20, 25. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah let's hope. Amount. Let's hope for that. <laughs> no, um, I, I would love, now that we've got the MLR, which we'll get into, so we're going to go over the players in a minute and mm-hmm. then we'll cover, um, the MLR's impact on it as well. But before we get to actually covering the players and how many are being impacted from the MLR, I just want to say in general, I think having three years, roughly uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit more than that, I guess, by the time these tests are out of experience with a professional rugby league in the U S that has the support and, and structure of leagues around the world, I think hopefully make these games better than uh, they look on paper. Usually. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, without further ado, then let's get into uh, introducing the 30 man squad that Gary gold is uh, selected for these tests. So starting out off, we got the big man, David, Ainu from Toulouse, the uh, big, pro- big boy prop. And we have Michael Basca, Marcel Brock, uh, Nate Brackley, Bryce Campbell, Luke Cardi, Nick Savetta, Ryan Reese, Mike De- Mike Dabulas, Ruben DeHaas, Cam Dolan, Jameson Finano Schultz, Mikey Sosena Fagai, Henko Hermeses, Andrew Guerra, Ricard Hatsing, Will Hooley, Ryan James, Mika Crusade, Titi Lemusatelli, Aj McGinty, Siausi Mahoney, Connor Mooneyham, Paul Mullen, Greg Peterson, Capelli Pifiletti, Joe Taufete, Mike, Mikey Teo, Chance Wengluski, and Saul Mulching. I so, think pretty solid squad. You covered a lot of people. First thing I want to talk about, AJ McGinty. Yeah. Yeah. AJ McGinty. He was, or... he was named captain, but sadly it, it appears as though that would not be happening now. Granted, there's 
you can be the captain for summer tests and not be the game captain. So, like, yes. he could still go represent, mm-hmm. be a leader, be a voice in, in helping off the field. But obviously when push comes to shove and it's game time and, and you got your your roster selected to be out there, like, he's mm-hmm. his impact will not be available. One thing I will say about having – if he's in – I guess he, just like in the stadium for the United States, he's definitely going to provide a good amount of information, especially against the English players. Mm-hmm. Since you know he faces those guys week in and week out with Sale. Yeah. So and knowing the younger group that's coming in, a lot of them are playing in a Premiership. A lot of them are like, like he gets, he knows a lot of these guys and where they're at. So. So maybe he, give him a benefit. Yeah, maybe he's got a little bit of a scouting report for Gary just to be like, hey, you know, you see you see that kid over there, he's only 21 years old. Let's just go right at him. Let's put <laughs> well, let's give the ball to Mika Cruze and just go straight at him. <laughs> well, what we could be seeing here, I think, is perhaps um the start of the passing of the torch for the starting American fly half. From one Irish-born fly half to another, (laughs) unless it goes to England-born Will Hooley, but Will Hooley can also play uh, fullback, which I think he is our best fullback. Sorry, Mikey Teo. I mean, yeah, I don't, I I don't disagree with you there. Um, He's a good, yeah, like Will Will Hooley's. Not only is he a fullback, but he's a pretty good fullback for the Saracens too. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, Saracens. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Can't really use them as a reputable <laughs> What do we like to do? Just metric. say just trash on the Saracens. This is no, the No, no, no. Like, okay. Uh, obviously, I I have a bias from my love for watching <laughs> Premiership and enjoying the burning of Saracens through their fall uh, <laughs> thanks to well, the uh the the issues that they had <laughs> in the well, last ignoring, few years. Ignoring but, Sorry, but the primary point that I was going to make is like any player playing on Saracens and playing at the international level, there is an absolute loss of intensity in the game when you play in that league below. And I think you saw in England, uh, or in the Six Nations, you definitely saw the handful of Saracens players like their impacts weren't necessarily what they were in the Autumn Nations. So I wouldn't be like, I, I agree that I think Will Hooley is a good player and I agree that he should be on this roster um, and as he has been capped before. Um, but I kind of am worried of him coming from the Saracens. So are you saying seeing... the same thing with uh, Piffaletti? Well, hold yeah, on. I would say just, the same. Just yeah. a second. Okay. What we need to take into account of Will Hooley. Yes, he's playing for the Saracens at a time where their competition's not great. But he's only 27. He's been playing in England professionally for nine years. Since 2012, he's played for the Saints, the Chiefs, the Mm -hmm. Blues. He's been playing professional premiership rugby and other leagues for for nine since he was 18. Yeah, I'm correct. Yeah, for his entire yeah since he's been an adult. I was about to say since he's been eligible. Yes. So, so that's quite quite impressive that he's been playing that for that long and only recently three years ago he was able to get capped for the united states because of um 
I believe. Um, did he qualify on? I can't remember if he qualified on residency, residency or for a grandparent or something. But I thought it was um, he has. It probably was family. I might be thinking of someone else, but it it just shows that he has so much experience and still plenty of years ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. So um, another name that I want to pull up on this list, um, our most capped player, our Nola Gold representative, and and a consistent, really face of USA Rugby, in my opinion, Cam Dolan. Yes. Where where do you sit with his position on this roster? I honestly like I respected the pick of uh, McGinty to be captain, but I honestly would have also been okay if I had seen Cam Dolan be the captain for the entirety of like the tests. Yeah. Well, I think at this point that's a very real possibility that he will now be named uh, captain with um you know guys like. Tony Lamborn being injured, so being unavailable, I could have seen him as being captain as well. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Cam Dolan seems like the net, the uh, most likely choice. I mean, when you have more than 50 caps, you have that much experience playing in World Cups and everything like that. I, I don't see why not have him in your, as your on-field leader. Like, Hodge mm-hmm. McGinty might be that off-field leader, like we've been, we said before, but he's definitely... I, just think that he would be a shoe in for that on-field leader. Absolutely. And he's only um, two caps away from breaking into the top 10 for most capped players of all time in USA. Really? Yes. Um, He has 51 and Dave Hodges and Paul Emmerich are tied for nine and 10 with a 53. So basically um, if he plays in the England and Ireland series, then he's good to go. Yeah, he'll be in the top. Wow, that'd be awesome. Like, because there's one thing that a lot of people who, if you're outside of the United States or you're new to rugby, um, USA Rugby doesn't traditionally have players who get into it young Mm -hmm. and play for a very long time in the uh, international level of the sport. You get guys who definitely get a good good chunk of years in and a good couple games in but like once you're breaking that 50 point either like like the guys are getting really old because they got up into that international level a little bit later mm-hmm. or they are like like the rare pieces and people who who make it in there pretty early and start right yeah. obviously that's changing because when we go through this uh roster we have a lot of uncapped players. I say a lot, but it's somewhere like eight, right? Is that right? I think it's eight. Uh, I believe nine, so. maybe something like that. But that's yeah, nine out of is correct. Out of what is it? Thirty-one total. Like that is that is a good chunk, and that is a good sign for USA Rugby, in my opinion. Absolutely, but I, the low cap numbers. It's it's also just sort of a thing that. Um, all tier two nations suffer from. If you look at like um, yeah. Samoa, their most capped player, I think is Brian Lima with about 65. Todd yeah. Clever is the most capped American with 76. You go to yeah. Fiji, I think one person has 70 caps. Right. So I think we're, we're beginning to see where that might be changing, not only for America, but perhaps for some of the other tier two nations. But 
I hope so. But then getting important step in the right right direction. But then getting a lot of those guys who are uncapped, just getting one cap, two caps under their belt, and then trying to get build that, I guess, development and experience at the international level for you know the next upcoming World Cups, obviously. Right. Oh yeah. So 2023, 2027, you know, cross our fingers, 2031 in the United States, we <laughs> might go to a quarterfinal. God, but, you know, if I would, I would see I'm like calling it now quarterfinals assured. <laughs> but I think, but, but I think by like 2027, I think all those guys that we, we see now that are probably un, are like uncapped will be like, oh yeah, these guys, I remember watching him play, you know, six years ago against England and Ireland and he that was his first cap and now he has you know 20 or 30 and he's flying all over the field like a Connor Mooneyham I was about to say I think Connor Mooneyham will be like uh when when we get to that point where we're talking 2027 mm-hmm. and later into 2031 like he'll be one of the old guard yeah he'll be like one of the guys like yeah yeah representing yeah. And and maybe we will have more of those guys who get up higher in their caps counts. Our average cap count could be a little bit higher uh, for the team, which I think is a good sign. Yeah, I absolutely see a lot more players from this last draft class and future draft classes making it. Guys like Justin Johnson, I think he missed out just because he was dealing with, I believe it was a hamstring injury at the time. Mm-hmm. Cam Dodson, who's been great at at lock. Um we see him, especially since some of our locks are beginning to age now. I think three of the four that have been picked are in their mid, uh, early thirties. So, or even some young guys within, uh, within the MLR scene, like a friend of ours, Jason Dom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, would love to see him. So, so like you know, say you know, seeing guys like that who, you know, are uncapped, but maybe they're not super young, like twenty-one years old, twenty-two years old. But they're you know 24, 25, and they're able to still get a cap or two and maybe play six years down the line uh, for twenty twenty seven. One thing I will say is I could see um, one another player I would like to highlight who I think will be a really big factor for us is a uh, big Bryce Campbell in the uh, oh one hundred percent. I was gonna, I was thinking the exact same thing, bro. My um, my thing with him is I could see him by the end of his career perhaps being at the top of the most capped USA players. Cause he already has 32 and he's only 26. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at Cam Dolan, Cam Dolan is 31 with 51. So right. Cam Dolan, I could see him getting another 12 to 20 caps perhaps, but uh, Bryce Campbell, who's only really hit his stride the last couple years. He, I think he'll be racking them up and he'll be a super important player for USA for years to come. I wholeheartedly agree i um i <clears throat> excuse me i think that uh there's a good handful of guys on here that by the uh 2027 world cup uh we will be seeing a handful more guys who break that 50 mark and are still on the pitch for us being leaders and game managers and and teaching the next wave beyond that i think that that World Cup in particular, I think we'll have at least three, if not four, like at least on the on the roster that are going to be above 50 caps, which I think will be a monumental moment for the United States. I agree. Another um, big one is Big Joe Taufete. He uh, 
he's just a monster, Dude. you know, world record record holder for most international tries by a front rower. And he did it in, what is it? 27 caps. That's incredible. And he's okay. still only, he, I think, I think that's also going to be our biggest strength is we have four front rowers who are playing from either in the premiership or the top 14 right now that are going to be playing against England and Ireland. Dang it. You were about, I was about to make a good point right <laughs> yeah. there. I was going to be like, you know what? As a representative big boy for the front row, I'm looking at this squad and I'm saying that's probably our biggest strength. I was about to was, say, I, uh, yeah, I, I would hundred percent say that our front row, as long as, God forbid nothing bad happens. Well, even if as long as they're healthy and fit for these test matches, which I'm sure fitness will won't be an issue for them. But as long as they're healthy, our front row looks very formidable. But it, it's a deep yes. front row too, because like there's some you you, you probably will see you know Joe Talafete probably start maybe Paul Mullen start with David and you. But you also have Chance. Like, Chance is really good. Chance is. Obviously, uh, Piffaletti is going to be coming off the bench. T.T. Lamasatelli will probably start. Like, it's going to look like that. It's like, yeah. it's a and, good front row. Now, one thing that I do want to talk about, oh, um, kind of shifting our topic a little bit. Uh, so if you want, if you do want to get that point in, Beckett, I'll let you do yeah, that. Yeah, just real quick. I was going to say the most important thing is also the youth. You know, Piffletti, he's 21 playing for Saracens. Yeah. Lemus Attili, 26. Joe Taufete, he's the older boy there. He's 28. Yeah, was it David and you, 19 in the uh, 2019 World Cup, something like that? Something yeah. like that, yes. He's yeah. still very young. Yeah, he's he's like our age, like my age. Yeah. Me and Ethan's yeah. age, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's 21 currently. So. Yeah. Exactly. He's, that's he's my, my age. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Dang. So, um, it's like, props to you, David. You're doing a lot better than us. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> one one point that I would like to uh, kind of shift the focus a little bit towards was we, we made that comment about um, having our front row playing in international leagues and being successful in those leagues. But one thing that I would love to focus on is there's only eight or nine guys total who are playing internationally for their clubs. The and rest of them are in Hodge. Yeah, without yeah. Yeah, it's true. Without McGinty, it's one less. Um, but that shows like how much of an impact that the MLR has had on the USA rugby selections domestically. Yeah, and also I think Beckett made this point before, uh, like way, way before, like a couple weeks ago, that it's great to see in this kind of summer series, you don't see any sevens guys. There are zero sevens guys and we are not even like, I understand that they've got the Olympics. Okay. They can deal with that. Whatever. Like that doesn't matter. <laughs> there is the Olympics. going. <laughs> I mean, there, so yeah, there, yeah, there is the Olympics, but. <laughs> but, but I'm saying like those guys who may not have made the Olympics, uh, like, or made it out of made the Olympic squad, you know, come in and be like, oh, hey, I want to play for the United States 15s team. Like, no, we're only strictly getting 15s guys for this. And sorry, getting, you know, getting all these MLR guys is not only going to build up, I think, our squad, but it's also going to build up the MLR side, right? Oh, yeah. Then absolutely. you're, you're going to see all these guys could be like, you know what? If, if that's the way to go, 
through the United States some like rugby system to go play for their country, then why not go do that? Yeah. The biggest thing that I'm hoping will transfer over from this MLR season into these tests is probably the improved defense. Cause I, there's a lot of complaints the first four or five weeks about how poor the defensives look, but I think a lot of this credit should go to LA oh, man. having to raise, forcing everybody to raise their standards and fight for, and be, have to beat them with great defense. Like, I don't know, man. Did you see the Houston Sabercats LA Giltini score the other day? Well, um, there, I don't believe there's any Houston Sabercats on this roster, so we don't have to Oof. worry about that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't, I don't believe there are any. So, but plenty of well, Atlanta boy, Atlanta and New York boys who know how to how to lay out some hits. Which funny thing that awesome. you say that funny thing that you say that about the Giltinis that everybody has to kind of raise that their bar to match their uh, like to match their offense. And you say that a lot of the guys who are on the team are from Rugby ATL and Rooney. It's funny enough that the two teams to have beaten LA are those two. Yes. So yeah. maybe, may, it's just an interesting point. Maybe it's kind of a coincidence. I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. It's I genuinely think that that was taken into consideration was where is our club successes occurring mm -hmm. and who is competing with the, like some of the biggest names in rugby worldwide that is currently playing in the MLR. Yeah. And I guess like also Scott Lawrence, the uh, coach for rugby ATL, you know, uh, we, we as Clemson rugby players have played against him when he was at life. And the thing that they love doing at life is just playing immaculate defense, right? right? So obviously, whatever he's learned through that, what his experiences, he probably just kind of copy pasted or maybe switched <laughs> it up a little bit to to rugby ATL. So maybe they're all trying to go into, you know, some kind of similar system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'd really love to see from you from the U.S. Um, you know, I'd obviously I'd love to see some great free flowing attacking rugby. I think that's coming along, but I want to. I think the biggest potential that we need to realize is that we can be an intensely physical and a very good defensive team mm -hmm. given the proper um, practice training and players. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to give up. You know, fifty plus to England. If we could keep that, <laughs> if we could keep that. Honestly, yeah. I would. Say if you know what, I, this is kind of crazy. If we could keep England or maybe Ireland, because Ireland's got a pretty good squad. I saw that. But England below 35, that would be amazing. I would even count 40 as a, under 40 as a win. If they score 39, I think that's really good because that's probably the best we've done. I mean, it wouldn't be a win. I, I wouldn't say it would be a win, but it's like that's definitely a positive. Mm -hmm. Step in the right. Direction. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely a positive step in the right direction. So, um, I kind of want to uh, reel it back into a more domestic impact, right? With USA okay. rugby. So, a fact that I learned recently, I believe, I think we talked about this earlier, um, uh, privately. You know, not on an episode or anything. Uh -huh. but yep. Was that the United States is actually one of the top countries in the world for total quantity of registered rugby players and now to to explain that a little bit to people who are are, are listening 
when you compare it to density of players, it is very like it's a very light density. But there's because there's a very large population that is the United States, we have a very large population of players. Is it? I think seeing a lot of these fresh out of college faces or, or recently out of college faces or uncapped players like that have shown their skills and shown their proof in the MLR and the growth of the MLR, seeing that channel up from like a, a multi tiered level of play in the United States, I think is so promising. What's also important is not just is building on that. How many MLR teams now have full-fledged uh, academy sides. Oh, and true. Playing, they have U23, U21, U18 teams regularly mm-hmm. playing um, the oh. other sides, and they're posting it and they're promoting it, and I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's going to help us a lot in the long run. But Okay, kind of to go back to Ethan's point about the insane amount of rugby players that are registered, isn't yeah. there like a stupid, crazy stat about – that there are more registered players in the United States than there are like people in New Zealand. Isn't it something stupidly crazy like that? I think so. I'm not sure. I I know we're like, or it's like close. It's almost there. Like, you know, the population of New Zealand is like 5 million and we might be at like 2.5 million, like people registered. It either might be like close to it or over it. I don't no, think we okay. have quite I, I, 5 million people, but it's like, no, it's, it's a healthy fraction that. of their right. Um, right. Of the entire yeah. population. I think so. I think uh, across the entire world, we recently broke the top five for number of players to- registered. And that's including men's, women's, youth yes. and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this- I think that's promising because as we were talking about what like this USA side is like a beginning of a promising era with this being kind of the first real impact that we'll see the MLR have. And I think that trickle down impact of like, okay, we're going to see the impact MLR has on the international side. And then because everybody cares about the international side way more than a club level i mean that's like indistinguishable in rugby like that that is the part of play you aspire to be at Mm -hmm. i think that will then in turn go back and 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 affect those younger levels the collegiate level maybe the high school level even more than the mlr did wow yeah so like all those young players are definitely going to be inspired by the international boys it will yeah especially like like we already mentioned Connor Mooneyham, like he is a name that is so recent to professional rugby because like he is, this is really the first class of players. And I use the word class because like, yeah, draft class, draft class, Let's just like draft. Yeah. Right. That has had this opportunity to not only, excel because of a club level but now use that to move up yeah and we've seen that too with um his fellow uh draft class um classmate that has made it andrew guerra who's been playing some great rugby for nola gold been a regular starter for them for a while Mm -hmm. um and 
He's uh, definitely, I think um, I remember, recall when we had made our mock drafts, we'd left him out. And so we'd gotten some people saying, <laughs> oh, what about Andrew Guerra? And we were like, well, we're not so sure because of his size, but apparently. Um, proving us wrong. We yeah, were proven I, wrong. I'm very happy about that. To be honest. Yeah. Like anytime we're proven wrong, especially when it comes to like talented players within mm-hmm. USA rugby, like I'm, I'm okay with that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Because once again, like as we were saying, there are a lot more names in rugby in the U.S. than you think there are. It's just the population density in the U.S. makes it feel like rugby is a very, very, niche. very niche sport. Yeah. So we're starting to get the quantity. It's just now we need to improve on the quality. Because yes. th- I think this also sort of shows it's not all about pure numbers. Mm-hmm. Because even Romania, I think, was just inside the top 10 but it's like, like Romania that. is no powerhouse. Right? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all about the structure, right? Like you look at the the programs or the countries that have the most international success. They also have some of the most well-structured uplines to get to that success. Yeah. yeah. Cause like you look at New Zealand or even in England, a lot of these kids are like a lot of the senior players, you know, they pick up a ball when they're, you know, tiny kids. Yeah, play touch rugby, flag rugby, or whatever, and then they yeah. just build it up. So for us in America to have like to the point that we said earlier, the MLR teams with the youth or the academy sides, as well as the collegiate scene, getting more and more intense and more attention, and, right. yeah, and more attention in general. Like with the draft class, I brought a lot of attention. One thing I would love to see is I would love to see a post similar to um, obviously the the numbers, but similar a post about the average age at which players begin playing rugby, and like see that over the years. Because I think we're I think if we had that data, we would see that it's been going down for the U.S. It's getting younger. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because you always hear about, especially like old like uh, older gentlemen that they'll be like, oh, yeah, like I only just started playing rugby in, in college because I used to play football and everything like that. And this guy just kind of told me to come over. And that's and, so common. And that's just so common. And then nowadays, it's like like I played – we all three played in high school. Like Ethan and I played in middle school. And you yeah. hear that's more often nowadays that well. you see a team – Oh, oh yeah. I keep on forgetting that you two – yeah, We all played in middle school. Here. Yeah. yeah, just not yeah, here. It just wasn't in the U.S. Yeah, well, I mean, we all played, you know, we all played in middle school, like, and you yeah. keep on hearing this from. So I got a theory behind too. this and it's Biggest. a silly theory and I have no evidence to support it. But <laughs> my genuine belief as to why I think that's more common is because today's like young generation growing up in the sport are the ones who dad whose dads learned it in college. I, I, I <laughs> that's so you're true you here. know what you're on to something <laughs> oh. here buddy because everyone who has come out like either in college or in high school who i've talked wow. to it's usually their story is like, like oh my parents played or oh yeah my dad or, played my mom played my oh my or, yeah, yeah, father like, played 
Yeah, wow. like yeah. one of those situations where it's like finally the trickle down generation is like, hey, <laughs> why don't we get my trickle kids down into rugby this earlier, <laughs> dude? You're gonna, you're, this we're gonna have to like we're gonna have to like coin that or like trademark that phrase <laughs> trickle, trickle down, down rugby. Trickle down rugby. <laughs> I think well, that's, I, that is <laughs> definitely one of the biggest things. I think I want to point out another one that's definitely less of an influence, but like people um americans living overseas when they're young because cj got into rugby because he was living in england i got into rugby because when i was living in china my te- my school had a rugby team but didn't have a football team my did so, my dad's english so <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out that you know your obviously your dad played rugby but our parents didn't play rugby right so it's also right, another right. one there yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this in back a little bit um to our final roster conversation and i want everyone to just kind of give me their last thoughts on if if you had any other names that you wanted to just like give a quick sentence about okay i'm going to start this first i want to say marcel brake is going to be playing with his hair on fire like goes in you know he plays for the western force he played excellently with them and the Super Rugby uh, AU 2020. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that, and that like the success of Western Force in the 2021 series or the improvement that they've had will hopefully translate for him on the field and just be insane because everybody was saying that he was one of our better players in 2019 World Cup. Hopefully, yeah. even though he's aged a little bit, I'm hoping that that development and that improvement with uh, – Western force has brought him into being the starting, you know, the starting in uh, uh, center, maybe inside. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. But, you know, just play like, I hope that he plays excellently. Right. right. Beckett, do you have a name? I do. Um, probably anyone who watches uh, MLR, very well-known player. Um, some Washington football fans probably know him too. Psalm Wuching. Big flanker for San San Diego Legion Legion. It's a shame he only has four caps to his name, but he's going to recruit quite a few more. And just, I think he's going to be bringing some physicality, some mean hits, and some hard runs. This uh, yeah, this some summer. of his tries so this last him. his try couple of his tries this last year have been insane. Yes. And he's learning from one one of the best in um, Chris Robshaw over there. So. That's true. Maybe Chris Robshaw has a couple of pointers about the England squad. Not to mention, um, Eddie Jones is a consultant for the San Diego. Ooh, so, ooh. <laughs> maybe yeah. Sal Mooching has a little bit more insider information about England than we do. <laughs> uh, clearly, clearly. Or even well, Eddie Jones knows. My uh, person that I want to uh, give one last shout out, we've already mentioned him a few times, but Connor Mooneyham, I really am excited to see him play and uh earn his first cap and hopefully his second cap as well um, in these test matches for a couple reasons, because it's awesome to see somebody who is some, like one of the faces that I know from collegiate level, who's now gone to a professional level and an international level um, in a very, very quick launch Two, I think, Austin as a program in this, this season has turned around their history a little bit and shown that they 
can be a formidable franchise and I want to see how much growth he's got at that club. And I want to see it on the international field. So those are like my two bigs for why I, I'm that's like the name that I can't wait to watch. That's a great point, Ethan. That is a great point. So with that, I'm, uh, I think this has been a good episode and, uh, CJ go watch some rugby.